Hello everyone and happy holidays and a happy new year. My name is Fiona and I am, of course, one of your co-hosts for the DM's Book Club, a podcast where we talk about some Dungeons and Dragons and how we might implement them in our role-playing campaigns. So we're currently on a break due to the holidays and other bits and pieces and hopefully we'll be back soon. But to tide us over till then, I thought I'd share with you something a little special. Listeners will know that I have never really ran a fully homebrewed D&D session. And what I mean by that is a session where everything in it, the characters, the setting and the story, is something that I have written or come up with myself and not from a pre-written module. Well, thanks to this podcast and to Ryan, our other esteemed co-host, I was able to create my own original setting from scratch back in episode 21. Holder on Hill. As a way to say thank you and to round off our year as a podcast, I would treat both Ryan and two of our regular guest hosts, Sir Sam and David, to a holiday-inspired one-shot. And this two-parter episode is the results of that one-shot. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed running it. And just to finally say thank you. Thank you so much to everyone for supporting us during this last year. It really means the world to us. And honestly, we can't wait to see what the next year holds for us as a podcast. So thank you. So without further ado, here it is. Here is Holder on Hill Brawl Room Blitz. Time and again, we hear incredible tales of adventure, valour, and heroism. Stories of unlikely allies, horrific monsters, inevitable betrayals. Stories of love, lost, and hope. This story is not like those stories at all. In fact, this story was never meant to be told. (laughs) It was considered too scandalous, too outrageous, and just too silly by our scribes. The story we are attempting to retell tonight is, how do mortals say, the vanilla version of what actually happened. A tale which, if there was like a film adaptation of it, it would say, based on or inspired by true events. For the sake of privacy of the individuals involved, and to save a poor DM the embarrassment of getting certain pronunciations of various character names wrong, we are going to do this live. As such, all characters in the story are fictional, as far as we know, and incidents portrayed in this production are fictitious. No identification with actual persons, in brackets, living or dead. Places, buildings and products is intended or should be inferred. Okay, so disclaimers out the way. Let's start at the beginning. The way all good stories start. This one begins with a gift. Well, three gifts actually, and the givers behind it. Wait, wait, no, no. Context, context. The beginning of a story is good, but the location is more important. That's right, yes. So, our story takes place in the settlement of Holder on Hill, a small town nestled in the snowy mountains of the Boulder Shields. They say if you took a wooden frame from a painting and held it up anywhere around Holder on Hill, the view through that frame would just simply be breathtaking a frozen snapshot of winter delight. Over the river of mist, where the dwarven children learn to ice skate and have snowball fights, the township is a gentle, idyllic sea of wood and grey stone. 
Sounds of laughter and joyous conversations fill the air as many a traveller come from all over the Shields to visit the famous Holder on Hill year-round Wintermas Market. They are drawn to the smells of cooked meats and cinnamon spices, the taste of warming dwarven mulled wine, and the peculiar sight of trinkets and clockwork toys as local artificers and merchants vie and jostle for the passing trade in a jovial enough competition of sorts, you see. Here, the locals call out to strangers as if they were longtime friends. Greetings with shouts of, well met, good friend, and season's greetings to you. And of course, overlooking this scene of revelry and delight is, of course, the Ashenroot Manor House, a two-story gray and black brick building with gentle turrets and peaks spiraling slowly towards the sky. The place where his Lord and Lady Ashenroot have presided over this town for the last hundred years. It has been one year since the disappearance of Adric Ashenroot, beloved Lord of Holder on Hill. Rumours have flown everywhere as to the nature of Ashenroot's disappearance because the disappearance was so sudden, out of the blue even. One day, Lord Ashenroot and his guard left for a daily tour of the mountain boundary and failed to return at sundown. Despite a number of search parties being sent out, no trace of the Lord was ever found. He had no known enemies and was well loved by the people of his estate. It was as if he just walked out of Holder on Hill of his own accord and simply vanished. Lady Validia Ashenroot was particularly shaken by this disappearance, as naturally one would if their partner had just left with no note, no message, no goodbye. She has been ruling in his stead and has appointed a council to help with the everyday running of Holder on Hill. But those close to her know that she has taken Ashenroot's disappearance pretty hard. While she puts on a brave face for the townsfolk, Lady Validia is found often wandering Ashenroot Manor and its gardens, lost in her own thoughts, her eyes ever so slightly damp from a quickly brushed away tear. Now, it was said that it's been a year, and to mark the occasion and the passing into the official winterval season, the Council of Holder on Hill is holding a midwinter ball with the aim of not only allowing the townsfolk to pay their respects to Ashenroot household, but also to encourage the feelings of the season, of warmth, of light, and togetherness in the coldest and often saddest times of the year. A lot is riding on the success of this ball, not only as a show of strength, as a council, but also to bring cheer to those who need it most within the Ashenroot household. And that is where you three come in, my dear council members. You three are in charge of organising this special occasions, and by the gods, you have not disappointed. The ball is being held in the Braun Forge ballroom within Ashenroot Manor itself. The ballroom is notable because it was renovated and completed shortly before Lord Ashenroot's disappearance. And now, for the first time, it is being opened to the public and being used as its proper purpose. And with that, we will begin our tale on the night of the Midwinter Ball in the Braunforge Ballroom. I'm going to describe what the ballroom looks like, and then I'm going to introduce you guys as such. So you see, when you open the doors to the ballroom, you know, these two double oak doors, they open out into a huge long hall, long as it is tall. And whilst the room itself is narrow, along the east side of it, as you're coming in sort of six o'clock towards the north, uh, sorry, the west side of it has these large crystal mirrors embedded into the wall to give it an illusion of a much larger space. There's an odd door in between them and sort of like they lead off into private rooms and such, but they are also made of a similar crystal, not to detract from the space. 
On the east side, uh, on the opposite side and the east side, there are large windows looking out onto a beautiful snow-covered garden with animal-shaped sort of topiary dotted around. This moment in time, it is completely covered in snow and the darkness of the winter night. The entrance's ballroom is an experience. Like I said, there are two giant carved oak doors in the entrance hall, which leads onto a short sort of stone mezzanine floor, which surrounds and sort of encapsulates this whole floor. And a big stone staircase, 10 feet across, gracefully lowers onto the main dancing floor below. The mezzanine floor is sort of thin enough, but it has groupings of sort of tables and chairs, sort of cabaret style dotted around so that people could sit and watch the dancers below. And what is noticeable is that on the walls there are seven different types of painting that have been put there by Lord Ashenroot himself before he disappeared. If you were to look up at the stone ceiling, you see carved reliefs of old dwarven tales watching over sort of various candelabras lighting up the room. The flickering shadows changing their features with every passing moment. The candelabras themselves are an actual marvel because they are covered in so many candles, one could believe it was a fire hazard if the lighting wasn't so obviously magical. The ground floor of the ballroom itself has a slight spring underfoot as you sort of descend down into it. And this is so that the dancers could always have a spring in their step as they take part in the Dwarven Cayleys. And you're right, I said Dwarven Cayleys. At the far end of the room, you would see, setting up and getting ready to play, a huge, what could only be described as a Dwarven umpar band, playing with different horns, different sort of trumpets, sort of a big sort of, tr a big sort of tuba at the back, getting ready to play. On the other side, there are sort of dwarven brew bars, like different meads being served out, sort of waiting and tables and such, and a huge fireplace lit roaring. The smells of cinnamon and wood and warmth lighting up this room. And definitely as you approach and enter this ballroom, there's certain joy in everyone's heart and a smile on your lips. At this point, you'll have given it maybe an hour or so for people to file in, able to have little nibbles and stuff like that. And like I said, most of the townsfolk here are dwarven. So they've all come in their finery and dress. And it's not necessarily uh, like rags to riches sort of stuff. There's definitely a sense of wealth here, but people are good meaning and well-hearted in this. So they are sort of gathered together and you do have a little announcer. There's a, a little dwarven boy probably picked from one of the other clan households, dressed up to the finest, probably with a really red face, huge big ruff, little beard starting to come in, has a little trumpet, is very excited to play and will announce whichever council member would like to go first. So I invite any of the council members to approach and say how they enter the ballroom. Wow. I don't so much enter as I do announce my entrance. Okay. I, I insist beforehand that the doors are closed, but not too much. I want them to just open just a tiny bit because I intend to open with a swift kick to the doors. <laughs> and as they fly open, I, I will have slipped the, uh, slipped the boy a silver coin beforehand. As they fly open, I wanted to start by screaming, behold, and then to say my title. All right, well, you did message me your title, so I'll do it. So you probably practiced this. Oh, Maybe yeah, I, I was before, like a few hours before this whole thing started, I was just kicking the same doors. Wait, were you kicking the entrance doors or are you kicking random doors around Holder on Hill? Both. Okay, <laughs> like... Maybe a lot of insurance you need to claim back, I guess, on this, but okay. So you, you hit the doors, 
like they burst open, even though they were only open just moments ago. The small boy was quickly like shoving people out the way. It's like, make way, make way. And you sort of hit. And the boy, realizing it's time, gets out the trumpet and goes, <laughs> announcing Grand Champion Vizar Rurik Baldek Carlin, Guardian of the Royal Swans. <laughs> To which I step forward in large adamantine green plate mail mm -hmm. with yellow robes over the top and stand forward and go, hello, darlings. Make a performance check. <laughs> Twelve. I mean, people do recognise you because you are on the council and they're like, yay, hooray. One or two dwarven women do swoon a little bit in the front. You don't know if it's for show or because you've, you've paid them to do it. You can't remember which ones you've paid at this point. I, I can't, I can't. can't. And so um, what, what are you doing? Are you making your way in? Are you waiting for the others or...? Uh, I, I am going to head to one of the, um, one of the sort of curtained off sections and mm -hmm. ensure that my arrangement is ready for the moment of surprise. And by arrangement, do you mean your gift? Oh, no, I mean, I mean the thing I've arranged for the party. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have your gift with you? Because there is I, a there, there is a table with gifts on them. Like they, there's I, like. I there's... I'm, I'm carrying a small black rectangular box mm -hmm. with uh, with unsurprisingly a green ribbon on the top. Very nice. Very nice. Well, yeah, there's a little table, and you can see people have put mostly looks like alcohol on a couple of like maybe a bag or two but right. you think yours is smart enough it has that green ribbon it stands out from the other it does look quite a lot of other people just wrapped it in various sort of uh, parchment paper and whatever they had if possible mm -hmm. can i arrange other people's gifts to form a sort of plinth for my gift <laughs> oh, you can. whilst you're doing that <laughs> the next council member arrives uh between sam or ryan whichever one you'd like to go next into the room comes a very austere-looking, sharply-dressed, all-in-grey and blacks dwarf, followed by a rather demure assistant. Uh, this dwarf, as he enters the room, there is a definite coldness around him. He is wearing kind of a lot of iconography that links to kind of the winter and frost. And as he walks in, he looks very sternly towards the announcer. The announcer, again, is that cold hits the little boy and it's like, <laughs> uh, announcing Bertram Blunker, Holder on Hill, prosthetic, prosthetic, bureaucrat revenue at Cognoscenti. Cognoscenti. <laughs> Arbitrator of the TIFFs. Tithes. <laughs> the boy the boy says it really frightenedly, right? Not laughing. <laughs> Come on, Lloyd. And I progress into the room, shaking my head. The boy's like really trembling. <laughs> so people are clapping as well. I was like, oh Bertram, hooray! Like, no, no women's swoon for you though, unfortunately. And then that's not what you intend. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Swooning is for the weak of constitution. <laughs> um, I, I see the new arrival and blush. <laughs> <laughs> 
I realize you, you did change it slightly, Sam, so I apologize. I should have said the other one, but it's fine. He would have got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what, what Sam, I'm going to need you to change your uh, your name. <laughs> so whilst, whilst you're doing that, Sam, so yeah, this, this sort of figure, this form of sort of, I, I imagine it's just a person with all angles, essentially, and a beard sort of daily clipped. Um, and people give you space. They are very polite and respectful of you, but they, compared to sort of the grand champion, the Tsar Rurik, they're not, they're, they're not as sort of like, oh, yes, that chap, hooray, that sort of malarkey. Um, oh, God, darling, I mean, look at me. You do see, uh, you do see Rurik by the gift table. You see him putting things together. He, he, typical Rurik, you know, has to be the show-off one. Grand champion Rurik. How wonderful to darling, see. how are you? I am doing efficiently. <laughs> wonderful. It's so lovely to see you. Oh my God, we must do lunch. Yes, not on expenses, of course. Oh, Bertram, Bertie, darling, would I ever do such a thing? Mm. Don't answer that. Uh, Bertram, have you, uh, are you going to give your gift? Are you holding it? Or are you, what, what's the plan with it? I will keep it on my person okay. and deliver it personally. Super. Cool. Um, as you are both sort of stood there, the final council member arrives. Um, Captain Tova, what what do you look like? What are you? You you? <laughs> it's like <laughs> yes. <laughs> tell us, tell us. How do you enter this ballroom? So, with very little ceremony, um, Captain Tova, who appears uh, in ridiculously elaborate pirate garb the most ridiculously long jacket that sweeps about 10 feet behind her with far too many buttons, a hat that's about 15 feet wide in places. Um, <laughs> and then you get through the door. She just comes into the room, ignoring all of the announcers. And you can see all around her waist, she has bottle after bottle after bottle of what appears to be rum, sort of put like in, into various sort of containers around her side. And she just goes... Hey, Hal, Toby's here. Uh, and just walks in. <laughs> yeah, the small boy is uh, ready to go and go, Captain Toby! <laughs> Captain, like, this boy has, like, clearly heard tales of your, your deeds and stuff, apparently from the, like, recent ones where you saved that really drunk elf and the weird not-speaking knight, and is completely enamoured with you. So it's, like, it's, it's so, like, happy that you're here. And everyone else is like, oh! Captain Tovey, thank goodness, hooray, hooray. She bows and then goes and hands a tiny little bottle to the kid and then just like gets to go away. The kid, the kid drops the trumpet and runs <laughs> like out. Not to be seen in this narrative again. <laughs> what, what the kid fails to announce uh, and what Tovey doesn't tell anybody because it's just assumed yep. is that Tovey is the greatly esteemed captain lady of wine, not mulled wine. <laughs> And specifically, she chose the captain of wine title because she hates wine. And by taking the captain of wine, she can forget to bring wine to every single occasion and fill it up with rum. So you'll notice that across the uh, occasion, the mulled wine has a lot of rum in it. And the regular wine appears to be grog and other <laughs> bits and pieces that she found appropriate that caused a lot of the serving staff a bit of angst. Mm, yeah, there's definitely when people go to drink it, and there's definitely a moment when they go not expecting it, so their faces screw up, but then they're like, 
holy shit, they've given, they've given us fucking grog. <laughs> like, <laughs> and drinking that. So yeah, you make your way down to the dance floor and then you see your other two council members there, the sort of the all angles Bertram looking very severe. And of course, grand champion Vizar Rurik, you know, the swans guy. They're looking at you as you've sort of entered. You have definitely got the biggest applause, I would say, Captain Tove. And the other two, I I guess you, you know of Captain Tove, the way that they uh, have been seed upon this sort of adventure. They are well known as a veteran in your past. And whether or not you have been adventurers yourselves, it's up to you. But out of the three of you, Captain Tove definitely has been the most adventurous. Captain Tove, how are things in the wider world? Hello, Toto. Fuck me. Ah, uh, hey y'all. Don't don't worry about me. I'm a. I thought I'd swing by. It's all good. Darling, I heard you were at an absolute palaver at the Cascara Islands. Is everything right? Well, you know how it is. I put the little pot in the big pot. We had a bit of a shindig, and now we're here. Bit richer for it. Although, admittedly, I drank most of my prize money last uh, last night, so it's all good. <laughs> Uh, at this point, Rurik just turns to Bertram. I have no idea what she said. Something about parts going in parts. It was totally beyond me. <laughs> I heard drinking. Uh, yes. Miss Tove, I don't suppose you would have brought some of the uh, traditional stronger stuff that you have brought in previous years? Yeah, uh, well... Yeah, you know what they say, and get a very big bottle out and just sort of hands it over and just says, oh, when pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered and we've got some fat pigs today. I will take your word for it. Bloody hell. <laughs> you put it down. Perfectly beyond you, darling. And if you excuse me, gentlemen, I need to see to setting up my particular responsibility. Oh, not done tonight. it yet, Bertie. Falling behind, mm, aren't we? Absolutely, sir. I intend to give, as I believe you've coined the term, the punters, a bit of a show. <laughs> Come, Lloyd. <laughs> and I um, take uh, my assistant over. Yeah. And we have arranged for a large barrel of water to be brought to a corner of the ballroom mm -hmm. where it will suddenly, and to the exclamation of guests, be broken, the water spilling out into a corner of the ballroom as Lloyd Butterworm <laughs> and myself ignite the water with uh, various spells, shape water, ray of frost, all that frostbite, all that malarkey, and we create an elegant and ornate skating rink. Mm. Yes. And we have a set of shoes delivered so oh, that cool. if people get sick of dancing, they can have a go fooling, making fools of themselves on the skating rink. So did you say you had one pair of shoes delivered? Oh, no, many shoes. <laughs> okay. I like the idea that only one at a time. One at a time. A solo skater. Um, yeah, make a, make a performance check. Go for it. Okay. Oh, no, stop it. 17. 17. Um, it is quite a spectacular. Again, in the film adaptation of this, the, the water breaks and then the little ice kills a bit like frozen, essentially. She sort of like, and the little bits of like almost like um, snowflakes start to appear. 
and definitely because um, this event is open to all the public all the time, but the children get very excited and they start rushing ahead, and the you know parents are holding them back, and then suddenly, surely, quite a number of people do go and try out the ice rink, and and some people see, obviously change back and forth. So you think you've done a particularly good job, you know? You're like, mm, aren't you will be remembered for this? I turn to Lloyd. Remember, Lloyd. Once an hour, shape water on every five feet, otherwise it turns to water again. No drinking. We don't want to repeat of last year. Did you describe who Lloyd is? What they look like? <laughs> Sorry. They're essentially a younger me. <laughs> but they're, they're not related. I've just enforced that they dress in Oh, I see. Perfect. They're like, <clears throat> yes. Yes, brother. Yes. <laughs> Start, you know, making they, they're like basically, you think of the theme park, they are the, the teenager sort of chewing gum, letting people in one at a time, one at a time. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Rurik, uh, did, did you. Yes, darling. Thank you, darling. Um, your, your experience, your, your thing, what is it? Are you, are you waiting for a particular moment or are you. Well, there is being... a very specific cue when mine begins, darling. Now, you see, for this to work, okay. we must have the grand esteemed lady herself enter. And okay. at that point, a curtain shall fall, revealing Jesus. a truly marvellous display, led, of course, by yours truly. What, sorry, where is this curtain? <laughs> I imagine I've had it installed in the nearest alcove. In the nearest alcove. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Like, so uh, let's say, just for sake and purposes, is it... Is it Big, whatever you're planning, <laughs> or is it? Is well, it the size of two dwarves? It's not particularly big. It's just that it's a lot of small things. Oh Jesus! Okay, <laughs> so so <clears throat> it's probably about as big as forty small things would be. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so on the mezzanine floor, there off to one there side, are. there is a uh, a curtain prepared. Maybe you go round every so often and just check it, and then maybe you're like, oh, yeah, oh. yeah, you check it. It's still there. It's it looks pretty good. So. <laughs> I just um, poke my head in and go, steady on, lads, steady on. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, but she has not arrived yet. Again, you uh, you did talk about this before, and you were saying, like, well, you know, get the punters sort of talking and, and dancing a bit and then make the grand arrival where she would address her townsfolk and stuff, you know, and do a big speech and stuff. But she's not here yet, again. You, as you know, out of the three of you, fashionably late is on time. So, yeah. And on time is the new early. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Captain Tove, what what have you brought to this ballroom? What is your thing? So whilst all this is going on, Tove and her four sort of very young, dressed as sort of sea hands, sea dogs, very sort of, you know, like raring for a fight, like young sort of adolescents at best, have been installing what appears to be a large fountain on the middle of the gift table. Um, it is essentially a large silver bowl with several other smaller bowls on it. Mm. Um, Tove goes up to the middle of it, sort of uh, awkwardly climbs up very, very indexterously mm -hmm. to the top. And from a very small special crystal decanter, she sort of says an incantation, clicks it open, and pours it upside down at the top, and the thing starts flowing rum, and it just never stops. So it just keeps going and going and going and creates a rum fountain that she brings all the assistance to and goes, right, now here's the thing. This ain't my first rodeo. This party is going to die a death if everyone here ain't rat-assed. 
So what I need you to do, and she hands out four like like small pitches and just fills one up and gives them to each of the like that. Now you need to go and you need to make sure everyone has their fair share of rum. I don't want a sober eye in the house. This has got to be a proper hoot nanny, yeah? You see that, that? And I point over towards Lloyd. Now he needs to get especially drunk. I need you to target him. Can I, can I guarantee that? Aye, aye, Captain. They always bloody children who are dressed up like really smart. They are super hyped that you've given them such a big responsibility. One or two of them have already had a cheeky nip, again, having the red cheeks, and they're like... <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you, you sample as you want. Now, don't forget your actual job. I was in charge of nibbles at this drink, uh, this sort of hootenanny. Now, I didn't bring any, because I don't want anyone eating and getting rid of this uh, beautiful rum glow. So if you see any food, you hide it. You hear me? You hide it. Hide food, give rum, get everyone rat assed. Yeah. All right, you'll be good. All right, and then they all peel off in four different directions <laughs> and can start circling around the dance floor. Uh, just make a performance check for me, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hang on. Where's my, where's my thing? Oh, that's not going to be very good. That is a six. Six. Okay. The children. It's a bit difficult because they are so eager. They're like, take this drink. Ew, it's party, 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 party. And they're like, oh God, children. Ah. <laughs> so, so, but they are trying. It's the aggressive party goer, like getting people to drink. It might take some time to get everyone completely rat though. It's all right. Listen, playing the long game. It's all good. Exactly, exactly. So the party starts to pick up. Like people are dancing, people are skating. The umpar band, you know, they're doing their various sort of like, you know, and doing various sort of jingles and stuff. Uh, people are making their way around the mezzanine thing, looking at the paintings. A couple of people are out in the hall admiring. Again, I didn't quite describe it, but then this place as well, if you imagine sort of a, I can't remember the names of these sort of stairs, but the stairs at the top where it comes down into sort of two spirals and it comes yeah. down. So that's anything. So it goes up to the second floor where uh, Lord and Lady Ashenroot, that's where their homes would be and that's where their offices would be. In the entrance hall itself, if you care to step out, obviously there's a couple of people with their pipes because they know it's a, a no smoking zone in the ballroom. <laughs> but in the entrance hall, it's totally fine. There are many different statues and many different hunting trophies as well. You've got uh, statues of bears and you've got you know, owls and stuff like that. Various sort of stuffed things. And in particular, and you, it would have greeted you on the way in, this huge stuffed owl bear. So the way it's sort of sat, it's, it's not a great job, but for some reason, the Lord and Lady keep it here. But it's sort of like, if you imagine it sat very snowy, sort of big yellow eyes stuffed, the beak sort of like happy like that, and around it sort of a, a tag. And on it, it says Hooty on it. I mean, do you think it would be part of the like bad taxidermy Facebook group? Thousand percent. Yes, definitely. One arm, one one wing is definitely in a weird position. Yeah. Like almost like if it's like like this, so like its palm is out, so people could put keys on it, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of horrific. Like no no owl bear arm should be like that. But, that, but the, yeah, all those places covered in statues and stuffed taxidermy stuff. And then going in, you just have these paintings on sort of the mezzanine floor. The party starts going. And you get to maybe one hour into it, two hour into it. No sign of Lady Ashenwood. And people are enjoying it. I mean, it's free drink. No food in sight, but free drink. Um, Lloyd, after maybe one or two hours, is like getting a bit lazy, a bit sloppy with the with the ice ring. Every so often, it's like, no, sorry, no. <laughs> sort of Lloyd. 
Bertram. Have you been drinking? No, Bertram, no. I may have had a little tipple. Do I believe him? Make an insert check. Uh, Fiona, I would like to say that whenever Bertie isn't looking, Rurik is actively giving Lloyd more drinks. <laughs> Perfect. Only a ten. Ten. He looks a bit under the weather. <laughs> but, you know, it's Lloyd. <laughs> like, it's very hard to read Lloyd at the best of times. He, he's practically you. You, you Lloyd. Come here. I cast Lesser Restoration on him to remove poisoning with one hand, and then I smack him round the head with the other hand. Stop drinking. I can't help it. You've got the children, and then Mr. Rurik. They're trying to be my friends. The trick, my dear, is to not bring the bottle to one's lips. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I see. Don't let alcohol touch your lips again, for I freeze them together. And I walk away. <laughs> again. He walks away, rowing <laughs> just appears, arm round mud. Darling, only judges are sober and no one likes judges. Have a drink. <laughs> Make a persuasion check, but with disadvantage. <laughs> it's a 19 and a 17. <laughs> he, he sort of takes the drink from you. Well, you only live once. <laughs> Starts drinking. Just walk away. You suddenly went, bye, darling. <laughs> I will uh, sneak via Captain Tove's whiskey fountain. Yeah. At a point when it's most busy. It's, it, it gets, it's getting there, yeah. And I am going to cast Prestidigitation, but with a sorcery point to make it subtle, removing semantic or visual components, so I of just course. walk past it and don't make a move. Okay. And I am going to make it taste. I'm going to change the taste of one cubic volume of this <laughs> to taste like 15-year-old black licorice. That is a very particular taste. <laughs> I had to we think of the word mixed with vinegar. Oh. So sambuca laced with vinegar. <laughs> Okay. So anything with sambuca in it. Yeah. Um, again, be people are starting to drink it, and Captain Toby, you will see that people are going, oh. they still drink it because it's free. And as we all know, dwarves <laughs> like a good bargain. <laughs> but yeah, there, there, is, there is definitely a struggle, and it's not being used as much. But... I have maybe underestimated the ability for my kin to drink <laughs> anything. Eventually. Eventually. If she does notice, yes. she'll literally just take the bottom bowl and yep. then walk out the door and then just chuck it into the garden <laughs> and then just put it back and the thing will fill itself up again. Perfect. Yeah, yeah you, you do it and you start doing it. And make a perception check whilst you're outside. Oh, no. Oh, oh yeah, I'm we're supposed okay to be looking for the... I'm sorry. Yeah, we're, we're having a great time. 19. A 19. As you're outside, you're pouring out this this whatever this is, and like the heat, the not the heat of it, but definitely like I guess the vinegar of it is eating away at the ice and the snow. So that yeah. But um, as you look up, the, again, you just view over Holder on the Hill, and the lights, the twinkling, and it, you can see now it's just starting to snow, as well. Oh. And it's you take a moment again that sort of idea of holding a picture frame up, and you're like maybe in your head, you're like take it. 
But yeah, you don't see anyone else outside. You don't see anyone sort of milling about. Everyone's still inside smoking their pipes in the entrance hall. Uh, but although the townsfolk like are warm and they're happy to go outside, they're like, no, no, the party's the party's just there. No need to, <laughs> no need to go too far. Ah, oh, well, I won't hang around too long then. Okay, you head back on in. Yeah. Um, as you are heading back in, uh, the small child from before is a oh, Captain Toby. Captain Toby. Um, around oh, there. Um. There's a problem with, and he shows you like an inventory. Again, you vaguely remember this at some council meeting that all three of you poured over, like, well, we need this many goblets. We need to pay the umpar band this, etc., and all that sort of thing. And he goes, um, this has arrived and points to the bottom. It says, at the bottom of this inventory, it says miscellaneous portrait of King Ashenroot. It's, it's in one of the, it's in one of the private rooms. Um, do you want it hang hanged somewhere, or it's very dis it's very disturbing. Oh really? <laughs> when, when would this arrive? Um, it it arrived just before just before the party, but obviously you were all busy doing your entrances and then and then socialising and stuff. I didn't I didn't know what to. And then you can see, like again, he's trying to say these things, but obviously he went off to drink whatever you gave him. <laughs> whoa, 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 there. Okay, right. Um, okay, do we know who ordered it? Um, it's not signed for or anything. It just it's just appeared mm. on the event train. It's just arrived. All right. Well, uh, why don't you show me this and uh, we'll go take a look. Okay. Okay. And takes you back into the the ballroom again. It's now full swing. The umpa band. There's the smell of the sort of the roaring fire of the heat and stuff was off from one side. The other two, you clock this as well. You see Captain Tove and the small sort of trumpet child uh, <laughs> moving their way uh, into one of the sort of alcoves on the sort of west side. And the kid opens the door, ushers Captain Tove in, and then shuts it behind them. I turn to Lloyd and then make follow. Do you, wait, are you telling Lloyd to go with you? <laughs> no, I'm keeping my eye on him. All <laughs> oh, right. L Lloyd has not moved from his spot. It's almost as if he's frozen himself. <laughs> likely. It is likely that that has happened. <laughs> so we've seen Tove go into the other room with the boy looking and give us the... Well, and they, I don't, I don't know. If Captain Toby did like the oh. the boy was just getting them in, but you know, like, well, it's again that sort of thing. Well, if one council member is being concerned, then you all should be concerned. Yeah. And um, the Grand Champion, Vizier Roebuck Baldic Strachan, Guardian of the Royal Swans, <laughs> turns to the uh, the lovely dwarves that he's entertaining, and goes, and that was when I slept with the King and Queen of Frostwale simultaneously. If you'll excuse me, business calls. <laughs> And with a flourish, heads towards the room. You just hear, like, behind you, he's so dreamy, <laughs> like a random, a random dwarf says that. Okay, so you two sort of meet on the outside of this room, I'll say. Um, are you both just going to go straight in? Bertie. Let's see what the great esteemed captain is up to. Hold on. Child. I have a talent for opening doors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to kick the door. <laughs> no, we have insurance, but... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Captain Toby, you come into this room, and the, the, it's, it's a beautiful sort of side room. I think sort of um, period manor house drama sort of thing. You've got it. Ooh. It's very nice. Very, lots of uh, chaise lounge uh, dotted Ooh. about. And in, and in the front, you see what looks like an easel has been sort of plopped in the middle of the room, and mm. on it, it looks like, uh, hidden by a cover, looks like a six foot by s sort of 
maybe eight foot tall something. You assume it's a painting of some sort, but it is currently covered. Oh, wow. So, so big, quite tall. Huge. Absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. And the, the easel um, is, is as big. To, to try and hold the thing it's the easel is like low to the ground so obviously mm. you can pull it off but it's and it's not under the weight or anything whatever this thing is is you know clearly quite light a canvas of some sort but again it is just yeah. massive and it looks it looks thin like there's a back to it it looks like it is a canvas from the other side and then yeah, you, there's a sheet and yeah you you maybe walk away walk your way around and maybe i don't know not getting too close um looks like a canvas from here i wouldn't be necessarily fearful at this so i mean i'm gonna go up to it and go Oh, have you ever seen underneath? Uh, no, um, no. I just got told to bring it in here and then to alert, alert the council members. And as the kid says, council members, the door <laughs> burst open. Um, Grand Vizier, could you um, roll for me? A, I don't know, a kick roll, an attack roll on the door, because sure. it's it's made of mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Fourteen. Fourteen. Uh, just my strength, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Fifteen. Okay. So, uh, roll, 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 a, a roll a d4 of damage. Four. <laughs> Where your foot has hit the door, because you probably kicked it at quite a, not, not necessarily high, but like straight, there is definitely a spider cobweb effect as your foot heel has sort of impacted. And there's a, the sound of tinkling like glass and so like a crack. And all the people around him are like, holy shit, that is just kicked in a door. What a guy. That's a... <laughs> but you've, you've done some damage to the ballroom, just FYI. <laughs> so... Doors. Does the door open? Yeah, the door's open. Right, then it's I'm going to definitely enter. open. <laughs> I, I enter in the way that I've entered every single room of course. for the last 60 years. Go, Hello, darlings. <laughs> you know quite how many forms I have to fill in for every time you do that. You both see Captain Tove and the small trumpet child uh, well, around this easel. Thank goodness he made an effort. I mean, I, normally I wouldn't hear the man. He's so subtle. <laughs> oh. you see the same thing, this portrait, this this uh, painting under a sheet. There's a random uh, delivery seems to have made his way of our esteemed lord arrived today. Bit odd. My, my, my. That's so very big and wide and strong. Mm. You know all about that, wouldn't you, Bertie? Oh, God. Do do we know who sent this strange item? Alas, we do not. Mm. Boy. Me? Uh, yeah, yes, yes. We're, this, this little thing, darling. Uh, where did it come from? Um, it, it, it was just signed for by one of the one of the staff, but and no one's looked at it because, well, and the boy sort of leans across, well, you know, Lady Validia, she's a bit, you know, gets a bit sad when she sees a portrait of him. But maybe maybe people thought this would be nice to hold in the hall, like a memorial thing. I don't know. I'm only a small child that plays a trumpet. Did you go and fetch the one who's uh, signed for this? I, I can. I can. I could definitely do that. Oh, and wanders out. Trumpets, like... <laughs> crashing along the ground, <laughs> running away, <laughs> Leave, leaving three, the three of you with this, uh, with this painting. As soon as the kid leaves, I mm-hmm. can look to the others and go, now, you're going to keep a lady waiting, or are we going to take a look at this thing? 
<laughs> oh, darling, we are absolutely making a little bit of thing. All right. <laughs> Start woofing it up. Okay, so you woof off the, the thing. And you see, again, a beautiful... The thing that catches your eye, this golden, hideous frame. Again, you've seen the frames in, uh, like, Tate Britain and Tate Modern. Not Tate Modern, because they're too modern. But the Tate Britain, like, sort of the horrible golden frames of, like, the proper sort of Renaissance era. That's the thing that catches your eye first. And at the bottom, there's a plaque that says, like, Lord Ashroot, long may he reign, that sort of thing. And then it is, like, the top half of a painting... Again, a huge, beautiful sort of uh, powerfully built body, various stripes and stuff in the, all the ashen root, uh, golden and sort of purpley and, and green crest colours, big sort of sigil on the side. But then the top quarter of this, of this painting, it stuns the three of you because there's no face there's nothing here. Like, they've got his hair-ish. It's sort of a bit wizzly out the way. You remember a few grey streaks in it, and the beard is sort of there, like the bottom part of it. No features, nothing. It looks like this painting is unfinished. Yeah, there's a... Uh... Well, we absolutely cannot hang this. It's a travesty. <laughs> Half done. Hmm. Uh, Captain, <clears throat> I kicked in a perfectly good door for this. <laughs> Yes. I'm d- deeply, deeply disappointed. Uh, <laughs> I'm ed- sorry, says the DM. <laughs> that, that entrance was gold. Uh, <laughs> One second, gentlemen. Uh, uh, let me just check if there's more here than meets the eye. I'll pass, bring out like a stopwatch. Like, no, not stopwatch, but like a, a clock. What are they called? Pocket watch. Mm-hmm. Very ornate and place it in my hands, look at the thing, and it begins to glow, and I cast Detect Magic. Nice, nice. So that's with, within 30 feet of you, and you can't be penetrated by this any of it. I know we, we use it every bloody week, and I never remember, because I don't have to use it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so your watch, a bit like the alethiometer, starts to go back and forth, ticking and stuff, landing on certain numerals and stuff. This painting is not magical. Nothing about it, there's nothing hidden. You maybe check in places like glyphs of warding or anything like that in the frame. Uh, maybe check the back of it. Maybe, I like the idea, you're running the pocket watch over things in case it beeps. Um, nothing. And the room itself as well is clear. And it, it genuinely looks just like an unfinished painting. No, not that it's been changed or someone's painted over it. Like make, it's just Make a perception way. check, make a perception check. Mm. Um, 14. 14. Um, it just looks unfinished. Like, the, this portrait is gorgeous. Like, the, the oils on it, and maybe, you know, it's not wet, but, like, you know, you can tell this texture there. It just looks unfinished. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it just looks like a painting. Yes, it, well, well, we obviously can't show it. Well, I say we cover it back up, and we think about it later. Yes. We, we Let's not fine. trouble my lady with it tonight. No. no, in fact, the fact that it's missing a face is rather ghastly, and in poor form, if you ask me. At this point, the small... You hear something like... as the sound of a trumpet is making its way across the ground, and a child appears with what looks like a sort of... a dwarven woman uh, kitchen staff. You can see the great big sort of apron. She sort of... And she looks, and she comes in and goes, Ah, uh, council members, uh, thank you so much. Uh, sorry, I, I signed for it earlier. And, uh, wow. I was sort of staring at it, like... 
Well, I didn't, I didn't expect that. It just said a king, a portrait for the king, for the lord, even. Tell me, you signed for this from someone, yes? I did. It's, um, it's from the lady's cousin, the Gold Clan. And they said, like, it, uh, the notes, and it, she pulls out of her pocket, like, a very, like, co- greasy-covered note, clearly. She's just put it away whilst being signed for. Uh, yeah, they said um, to cheer you up here as a reminder of your beloved, long, you know, long may he reign. And, uh, I mean, it's a gift. We, uh, I guess you have to give it to her at some point, but no features. That's really, really poor taste, actually. Hmm. What do we know of family relations between Lady Ashenroot and her cousins? Uh, make a history check. Ooh, not good at those. Nope. Nope. Nine. Nine. Uh, I mean, dwarves have loads of cousins, really. Uh, this is probably one of many. Uh, she's on good terms with people. Like, this clearly was a good gesture. Like, you don't think it's like a... It's just, it's just maybe poorly executed. A big faux pas. I would like to take a look at this painting and see if there's any sign that has been tampered with. Okay, uh, you can do you can do a perception check with advantage because Tove's already done that. But sure. <laughs> so she has. Yeah. Well, it's a bloody high one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a twenty-three. A twenty-three. Okay, so you 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 do look around again. You you proper do what Rurik does best, like, proper, like, really close, maybe get out, like, several little um, monocles all at once, looking around the frame, testing the back of it. You find nothing. You're right, Tove. Adventuring hasn't scrambled your brains. I mean, you, you now need to mansplain this to me. It's, it's, it's all right. <laughs> Sorry. So mansplaining is when... Um, the small you know, boy chirps up. I goes, well... <laughs> You could always just fix it, though. Like, you all remember what Lord Ashenroot looks like, right? I mean, I'm no painter myself. I couldn't put an apple in a hog's mouth. I, for one, am extraordinarily talented. I drink. (laughs) Now this I gotta see. Yes. I rather do like my head attached to my shoulders. And the boy brings out some parchment. Well, you could all, you could all draw, and then you pick the best, and then whoever that is draws, draws that. Well, it's certainly an idea. Oh, come on, Bertie! Oh, do you want to have a bit of fun? <laughs> so, as Ryan's now realised it. I want all I'm three like of you. Two seconds by. I'm so sorry. You I know have, exactly what you mean. I want you have two minutes, all three of you, to draw what you think Lord Ashenroot looks like. Remind us of the description of her. I said he had a beard okay. and some and some whizzy hair. I'll put two uh, minutes on the clock, shall I? Hair's already in place, isn't it? Yeah, but you're gonna you're not just gonna draw random eyes and nose and stuff. I've uh, already messed up. Two minutes on the clock going <laughs> some quiet time for teacher this is a good trick fiona why bother prepping for a dming session when you can just get your players to do <laughs> one minute 30 jesus What's good is I know Sam doesn't have his iPad. <laughs> oh, 
that's good. Is that I can't drive to save my life. Uh, One minute gone. <laughs> oh, no, that changed, yeah. 30, 30 seconds. <laughs> Mm. As my art teacher always used to say, that is just a happy accident. Yeah. It's like Bob Ross says. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, it's just a happy little tree. That's where it needs to be. It's not worrying about itself or its identity. It's just there. Um, how do you draw ears? All right, five, four, three. Like, like in The Simpsons, it's like he does a G, doesn't he? Or like, like what's the letter that they do on Simpsons? Be like, your time is up. Your time is up. Pencils down. Council members. Council members. I think I did it the wrong way around. Time is up. Time is up. So let's start with, well, we'll go in order, shall we? So Grand Champion Vizier Rurik, can you please show your work to the class? It's just can you take a picture of it and put it on WhatsApp? Yeah. <laughs> take a picture. That might be that might be better. I might be a bit better. <laughs> just like it's the nose. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know, but it's just the nose. Like they, they look like little tunnels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stupid. Oh, so stupid. Oh my okay. goodness, that's awesome. <laughs> Big lips. <laughs> He's a dwarf. Proud He's lips. A dwarf. That is a dwarf. Oh yeah, whoops. <laughs> okay, Bertram, can you share your show your class? <laughs> of course, I'll. I'll uh... How do you say, Grand Champion Visage? This man has no eyelids or eyebrows. <laughs> okay. You see, darling, he lost them in a battle. It was very heroic. Did he know? <laughs> I'll just share this. It took me, you know, the whole two minutes. No, no. What? What did you do? <laughs> I'm, I'm sharing it. I'm sharing it. It's coming up. I've got crap internet here in Norfolk. <laughs> he's still doing it. He's still doing it. Yeah, he's still doing it. Doing the, no, sh- doing the shading. <laughs> no, it's, it's still loading. Oh, all right. Fuck off, Sam. Oh, no. No. I love the eyebrows. No. The eyebrows are great. No. I'm okay, stealing, I, I'm stealing those power one. brows. That, he drew that before. He's not having that one. I'll, I'll share the actual thing. Share the actual one. That, but that picture is amazing, Sam, I will say. Totally stealing those power brows. <laughs> uh, Ryan, are you still drawing? He's yes. doing the power brows. Ryan, you're not allowed to keep drawing. When you see mine, you will say, why didn't you keep drawing? <laughs> oh, okay, man. it's uploading. There we go. Oh, my oh God, wow. That's really good. <laughs> With the power brows as well. I love it. Yeah, the power brows of the dwarves. Power brows of the dwarves. Very good. Very, very nice. All right. And then Captain Tove. Let's sure. see. We can, we can just call it a night now if you want. Oh, I'm, I'm keen. You want to share with the class? Hard to beat David's soul-driving stare. <laughs> <laughs> too, too much caffeine. 
<laughs> I mean, everyone knows that the Lord was a big fan of caffeine. <laughs> Shaving his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> The eyebrows really complete it. <laughs> Fucking she just on his ear. <laughs> I forgot about head proportion. That was my first issue. I realised I'm doing the, the eyes like where someone's forehead are. Oh, it's so good. Oh, sorry. It's like a potato. <laughs> just... a, I'm not even joking. That, that's actually one of the best drawings I've ever done. Like that's actually really good for me. <laughs> so, so the three minutes. <laughs> So the three of you have quickly drawn together and you've all sh- <laughs> gone, stood back and admired your work. Together, you three now need to pick one to transcribe onto <laughs> this painting. Darlings, I think that Captain Tovey has absolutely blown it out of the park. I think without question, that is undubitably the answer, yes. I think what we should do is we should make sure that that is transcribed on and then write at the bottom, base by Captain Tova. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a look-hard suit. I like that. Yeah. All right. You're now the greatly esteemed Captain Lady of Wine and the illustrious artist. Captain Tova, I would like you to do a sleight of hand check with advantage, because you've got the backing of the council. <laughs> sleight of hand with advantage. That's, mm-hmm. um, okay. Well, I will use my bastion of order to make that a straight roll. <laughs> There's one, one roll. Someone wants a smite in. That's what I say. <laughs> um, okay, with a straight roll, that is a whopping seven. <laughs> Let's just see, with advantage, natural 20. So, you know. I, I take it back. No, I no, take no, it back. No, 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 you don't. No. So what, what happens? Captain Toby gets the quill and literally does it in one swoop. And it, goes, looks, it looks identical to, to this, effectively. It's that yeah, standard. It's that standard. I mean, when you squint and if you back out of the room and close the door, it looks like Lord Ashton I, Rurik yeah. is laughing so much but trying not to laugh that he's actually weeping. <laughs> Bertram hasn't smiled in five years, but there's a tinge in the corner. Uh, but you have passed, sort of, <laughs> the Lord Ashen Root portrait challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Sorry, I... Ryan. <laughs> and I guess you... you I just... won. What are you talking about? Yeah, you won. <laughs> You've won something. What so you, have you won? So you could probably cover up the portrait. Um, do you leave it in the room? Do you take it out to where all the other gifts are? Hell yeah. It's complete and, and yep. apart now. That I've, I've, I've solved everything. You've solved it. <laughs> I've yes. had a lot of rum by this point. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, exactly. You think you, you fucking did it. These two chuckleheads. Yeah. So Glass you, ceilings are only broken if you chuck paintings at them. That's what you've got to remember. <laughs> Exactly so. And to be fair, I before this point, I was actually going to use mending to fix the, the glass door. But now I'm so proud of myself. As I'm hurling this painting out, I kick the door myself on the way, just as like a second step. <laughs> roll, roll, roll an attack. Uh, 22. Oh, yeah. It's roll the d4. Four. Four. <laughs> You've broken that whole bottom panel. Your foot goes through it. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
so you, quite a little finesse, darling. You you put the you put the painting up. I'm I'm. I, is it still covered, or you you bring it out for everyone to see? I can't reach. I I couldn't possibly put the cover on if I tried. I'm four I, and a half feet tall. No, fair enough. You pull. <laughs> you 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 probably drag it along the ground yeah. at this point. Set it up right way, and then you're like, it's the wrong way around. So you. I mean, surely Rurik's helping me. He seems like a man of action. Rurik. <laughs> I want nothing to do with this painting. <laughs> 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 I'm I'm stood back with Bertie, elbowing him, going. I thought tonight was going to be boring. <laughs> Certainly not bad. So <laughs> this painting gets dragged, and the way you're doing it, Captain Toby. Obviously, you, you you've given up caring. You're like, I've done it. It's dragging along the floor, and it's other ah as you're doing it. People are stopping to watch, and you write it. And then people are, people are coming over to look at it, and they're just like, I mean, it, it kind of looks like it, because <laughs> they have all drunk exactly the same as you. <laughs> it's coming together now. It's all, it's all coming together. Mm. I, I, at an <laughs> opportune moment, I will try and subtly cast prestidigitation and uh, make a colour small mark or symbol appear on an object, and can I stretch that to just completely changing the face? <laughs> what are you changing the face to? To attempt to make it better, but I will accidentally make it worse. If you do that, Toadie turns around, looks at you, and stares at you, and reveals the hammer on her side, and cocks her head. <laughs> I stop holding my clockwork up. I, I just felt the ears could do... No, you're right. No. It's fine. I'm sorry, Captain. This is perfection. It, <laughs> it, it is certainly that, darling. Thank I'm, you. I'm sorry. Yes, I, no, it was presumptuous of me. One cannot fix true art. That's not exactly what I thought. Can only admire. <laughs> can only admire. Yes. Thank you so so much for listening and come back for part two don't forget you can check out ryan's civ 6 channel on youtube and on discord that's ursa ryan on youtube and the ursa ryan discord you can come find me and pretty much the other three hosts at this point on several different episodes of what am i rolling a twice monthly rpg one-shot podcast available on the what am i rolling website and wherever you listen to podcasts I'm hopefully going to be starting up our own official Discord server for both What Am I Rolling and the DMs Book Club, along with a Patreon, so do keep your eyes peeled for that. Thanks again, and we'll speak, hear, listen to you soon. I'll never get this right, but thank you so much for listening, and see you later. Bye! Bye!